Chapter 8 of The Creatures That Time Forgot by Ray Bradbury. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Ben Tucker. Chapter 8 A tip of the sun showed on the horizon. My name is Nosh, said Sim's enemy, casually fingering up a handful of pebbles and stones, weighing them. Sim did likewise. He was hungry. He had not eaten for many minutes. Hunger was the curse of this planet's people. A perpetual demanding of empty stomachs for more, more food. His blood flushed weakly, shot tinglingly through veins and jolting throbs of heat and pressure. His rib case shoved out, went in, shoved out again, impatiently. No! roared the three hundred watchers from the cliffs. No! They clamored, the men and women and children balanced in turmoil on the ledges. Now! Begin! As if at a cue, the sun leaped high. It smote them with a blow as with a flat, sizzling stone. The two men staggered under the molten impact. Sweat broke from their naked thighs and loins under their arms, and on their faces was a glaze like fine glass. Naj shifted his huge weight and looked at the sun as if in no hurry to fight. Then silently, with no warning, he conurked out a pebble with startling trigger flick of thumb and forefinger. It caught Sim flat on the cheek, staggered him back so that a rocket of unbearable pain climbed up his crippled foot and burst into nervous explosion at the pit of his stomach. He tasted blood from his bleeding cheek. Nosh moved serenely. Three more flickers of his magic hands and three tiny, seemingly harmless bits of stone flew like whistling birds. Each of them found a target, slammed it, the nerve centers of Sim's body. One hit his stomach so that ten hours eating almost slid up his throat. A second got his forehead. A third his neck. He collapsed to the boiling sand. His knee made a wrenching sound on the hard earth. His face was colorless and his eyes, squeezed tight, were pushing tears out from the hot, quivering lids. But even as he had fallen, he had let loose, with wild force, his handful of stones. The stones purred in the air, one of them, and only one, struck Nosh. Upon the left eyeball, Nosh moaned and laid his hands in the next instant to his shattered eye. Sim choked out a bitter, sighing laugh. This much triumph he had, the eye of his opponent. It would give him time. Oh, gods, he thought, his stomach retching sickly, fighting for breath. This is a world of time. Give me a little more, just a trifle. Nosh. One-eyed, weaving with pain, pelted the writhing body of Sim, but his aim was off now. The stones flew to one side, or if they struck at all, they were weak and spent and lifeless. Sim forced himself half-erect. From the corners of his eyes he saw light, waiting, staring at him, her lips breathing words of encouragement and hope. He was bathed in sweat, as if a rain spray had showered him down. The sun was now fully over the horizon. You could smell it. Stones glinted like mirrors. The sand began to roil and bubble. Illusions sprang up everywhere in the valley. Instead of one warrior, Naj, he was confronted by a dozen, each in an upright position, preparing to launch another missile. A dozen irregular warriors who shimmered in the golden menace of a day, like bronze gongs, smitten, quivered in one vision. Sim was breathing desperately, his nostrils 
flared and sucked and his mouth drank thirstily of flame instead of oxygen. His lungs took fire like silk torches, and his body was consumed. The sweat spilled from his pores to be instantly evaporated. He felt himself shriveling, shriveling in on himself. He imagined himself looking like his father, old, sunken, slight, withered. Where was the sand? Could he move? Yes. The world wriggled under him, but now he was on his feet. There would be no more fighting. A murmur from the cliff told this. The sunburnt faces of the high audience gaped and jeered and shouted encouragement to their warrior. Stand straight, Nosh! Save your strength now! Stand tall and perspire! They urged him, and Nosh stood, swaying lightly, swaying slowly, a pendulum in an incandescent fiery breath from the skyline. Don't move, Nosh! Save your heart! Save your power! The test! The test! said the people on the heights. The test of the sun! And this was the worst part of the fight. Sim squinted painfully at the distorted illusion of Cliff. He thought he saw his parents, father with his defeated face, his green eyes burning, mother with her hair blowing like a cloud of gray smoke in the fire wind. He must get to them, live for and with them. Behind him, Sim heard light whimper softly. There was a whisper of flesh against sand. She had fallen. He did not dare turn. The strength of turning would bring him thundering down in pain and darkness. His knees bent. If I fall, he thought, I'll lie here and become ashes. Where was Naj? Naj was there a few yards from him, standing bent, slick with perspiration, looking as if he were being hit over the spine with great hammers of destruction. Fall, Naj! Fall! screamed Sim mentally. Fall! Fall! Fall and die so I can take your place! But Naj did not fall. One by one, the pebbles in his half-loose left hand plummeted to the broiling sands, and Naj's lips peeled back. The saliva burned away from his lips and his eyes glazed. But he did not fall. The will to live was strong in him. He hung as if by a wire. Sim fell to one knee. <sighs> Wailed the knowing voices from the cliff. They were watching death. Sim jerked his head up, smiling mechanically, foolishly as if caught in the act of doing something silly. No, no, he insisted drowsily and got back up again. There was so much pain he was all one ringing numbness. A whirring, buzzing, frying sound filled the land. High up, an avalanche came down like a curtain on a drama, making no noise. Everything was quiet except for a steady humming. He saw fifty images of Naj now, dressed in armors of sweat, eyes puffed with torture, cheeks sunken, lips peeled back like the rind of a drying fruit. But the wire still held him. Now, muttered Sim sluggishly with a thick, baked tongue between his blazing teeth. Now I'll fall and lie and dream. He said it with slow, thoughtful pleasure. He planned it. He knew how it must be done. He would do it accurately. He lifted his head to see if the audience was watching. They were gone. The sun had driven them back in. 
all save one or two brave ones. Sim laughed drunkenly and watched the sweat gather on his dead hands, hesitate, drop off, plunge downward towards sand, and turn to steam halfway there. Naj fell. The wire was cut. Naj fell flat upon his stomach. A gout of blood kicked from his mouth. His eyes rolled back into a white, senseless insanity. Naj fell. So did his fifty duplicate illusions. All across the valley, the winds sang and moaned, and Sim saw a blue lake with a blue river feeding it, and low white houses near the river with people going and coming in the houses, and among the tall green trees. Trees taller than seven men beside the river Mirage. Now, explained Sim to himself at last, now I can fall right into that lake. He fell forward. He was shocked when he felt the hands eagerly stop him in mid-plunge, lift him, hurry him off, high in the hungry air like a torch held and waved ablaze. How strange is death, he thought, and blackness took him. He wakened to the flow of cool water on his cheeks. He opened his eyes fearfully. Light held his head upon her lap. Her fingers were moving food to his mouth. He was tremendously hungry and tired, but fear squeezed both of these things away. He struggled upward, seeing the strange cave contours overhead. What time is it? he demanded. The same day as the contest. Be quiet, she said. The same day? She nodded amusedly. You've lost nothing of your life. This is Naj's cave. We are inside the black cliff. We will live three extra days. Satisfied? Lie down. Naj is dead? He fell back, panting, his heart slamming his ribs. He relaxed slowly. I won. Gods, I won. He breathed. Naj is dead. So were we almost. They carried us in from outside only in time. He ate ravenously. We have no time to waste. We must get strong. My leg. He looked at it, tested it. There was a swath of long yellow grasses around it, and the ache had died away. Even as he watched, the terrific pulsings of his body went to work and cured away the impurities under the bandages. It has to be strong enough by sunset, he thought. It has to be. He got up and limped around the cave like a captured animal. He felt Light's eyes upon him. He could not meet her gaze. Finally, helplessly, he turned. She interrupted him. You want to go on to the ship? She asked softly. Tonight? When the sun goes down? He took a breath, exhaled it. Yes. You couldn't possibly wait until morning? No. Then I'll go with you. No. If I lag behind, let me. There's nothing here for me. They stared at each other a long while. He shrugged warily. All right, he said at last. I couldn't stop you. I know that. We'll go together. End of chapter 8